to leave that message with entrepreneurs. Like, what is the thing that is so you? And he knew me so well because we wrote a million songs together, but it's like, it's so me, the giving keys is so me, but so is, you know, these songs that we wrote together. He knows my heart and soul, like I said, and that your heart and soul comes out in your songwriting and your heart and soul comes out in your business and in your books and in your, the copy in your emails, um, your marketing emails and all that. Hey everyone, I'm Chris Ronzio, founder and CEO of Trainual, and this is Organized Chaos. On every normal episode, you hear me talk about building your playbook. Well, we actually have an event every year called Playbook over at Trainual, and this session is a clip from Playbook 2022. That's our annual event at Trainual, and it features some of the top business leaders in the world. So we've reformatted these sessions for the podcast so that you can enjoy them wherever you are, totally free. This session is hosted by Jonathan Ronzio, Trainual's CMO, and my brother. Hey, Caitlin. Hello. How are you? Good. How are you doing? I'm good. Hey, I got to play this real quick, though. This song is such a jam. What and is this song? This is, there's something beautiful. Oh my gosh, that's so funny. That I wrote this that song with a girl. This is like a, forever ago, and she's like a young artist. But I, that's her singing on there, not me. I don't even know if I ever heard it. You never heard that? Oh, really? I went to your profile, and I and that maybe was like I, maybe I, I heard I played, it. Once. I played your last album, and then that was like the most recent one that I saw that came out in 2016. And I just thought that that intro was so good. So um, I'm a musician myself and I know that you're a singer songwriter. And so we're going to talk a little bit about that as it relates to marketing, because I I like to think that the best marketers are are musicians um, and there's tons of parallels there. So we'll go there. But I first want to let everybody know what is the giving keys? Please explain this model because this is like legit one of the most interesting, amazing like jewelry companies I've ever come across. And um, and I would, I'd love for you to give the, the overview. And then I'm going to ask a couple questions that I just have like b- pure curiosity about this model. Yes. Um, so the giving keys is, I think literally the most special company in the world. Um, and I think it, so basically I started it when I was doing music, I started making them and selling them on tour, but basically they're jewelry lifestyle brand but we do everything from journals candles we've done coffee cups we've done apparel everything but it started with um vintage keys um and i started paying a locksmith to engrave inspirational words like hope love strength believe let go strength fearless in 2008 okay so ogs um and then i met a young couple that was they were experiencing homelessness and they lived in a dumpster in a cardboard box fell in love with them met them on hollywood boulevard took them to dinner, had my aha moment to employ them to engrave the words. Fast forward to they saved up, they got their own apartment. Fast forward to we we ended up employing over 150 people that were transitioning out of homelessness to engrave inspirational words on keys and jewelry. But my favorite part is you get your word, you, you, you own it, 
you own the word, but then it's not just about you, right? You have to keep your eyes open for somebody else who needs the word on there more than you. And then you're supposed to pass it on to someone who needs it more than you. Then you tell that person to pass it on, pay it forward to someone else who needs it more than them. You go back to the website, write the story of why you gave it away. So now there's thousands and thousands of of stories of the keys being passed all over the world. How much of that model was premeditated, right? Because like on, on paper, like the mission is so incredible, but on paper, right? It's like, all right, we're going to have jewelry that people buy and then give away. And, and then they're going to come back and buy, you know, more jewelry to to give away. And then the people that get the jewelry are going to like feel really connected to this. And they're going to share this message. It's like built into the DNA of the company is like, repeat business and viral word of mouth marketing, but Mm -hmm. in a way that's like not sleazy, right? It's like, it means so much. I honestly think the reason why customers bought in is because it came from an authentic place. And I think customers, consumers can smell when your motives are off. And honestly, my motives were genuinely to help people. At first, when I started making the keys, I started a website with the actress Brie Larson. She um, was cap, you know, yeah, cap- Captain Marvel. Marvel. So we did, I used to do acting too. I did a horrible, we did a horrible movie together years ago and they basically cut off our faces and glued them on other people's bodies on the poster. And we're like, that's messed up. So we started a website. We don't really do it anymore um, called Love Your Flaws. Um, And it was going around taking thousands of pictures of people holding up signs that said things in that, you know, in that category. So then the whole premise is, and then when I did music, my first album was called Flaws. I was obsessed with this topic. Anyway, um, so I had the idea like, oh, let's put a word like Love Your Flaws on on a key, I always just wanted to help people in different creative ways. Um, and then I would sell them at my merchandise tables, like love your flaws, flaws are one of a kind or special or unique and tied it in with the whole, maybe like you're, you're like a key, like we're, we're, maybe you feel old, maybe you feel used, maybe you feel flawed, maybe you feel discarded, but no, let's change that narrative. Get a key that reminds you you're one of a kind, just like this key, you're special, yada, yada, yada. And it was like, I grew up in LA. I needed the phrases on, on these keys. It was like little therapy sessions in each key. And I realized I loved connecting with people after my shows and figuring out what word they needed in their life more than performing. Like I actually hated performing. I was like, Oh, get me out of here. I just want to talk to the people. And so girls would share like, you know, they're going through a breakup or lost their job or so-and-so has cancer or so-and-so going through a divorce or whatever. Or people, so people were suicidal coming up to me, sharing their stories. And it was like, Oh my goodness, these, 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 they're like literal tokens that are helping people in really pivotal moments, you know, in their life. So I was like, I should make a website to store all these stories because people were just writing me on MySpace. People were like, you know, telling me again, these super intense stories. And I was like, well, it can't just be my mom and I reading these stories and crying on MySpace. Like I need to make a website. So it came from an authentic place. It wasn't like, Oh, let me think of a business model. It was like, no, people were yeah. needing these. So yeah. I think that's super cool. Um, and you said that like, you just happened upon a homeless couple on the street and, and had a conversation. Like, how did that go from, I know I've been, you know, I lived in Hollywood for, uh, I think three months or something. And I know the amount of homelessness there. Right. But like, how did that go from walking by 
any homeless person to having dinner and then like employing them and then championing this as like the mission that you're going after? Yeah. Um, good question. So like I said, born and raised in LA. So I always saw the issue of homelessness everywhere. And it was all, it always felt so unjust because I saw so much money and privilege over here. And then in the backyard, this was all happening. It felt so wrong. Like this is not okay. Why is no one doing anything about this? And I grew up going to, you know, church and youth group and all that. And I don't know if you guys remember, do you remember, um, invisible children? It was like a big movement, um, around that time, Coney 2012 was one of like the biggest viral videos that ever happened. Oh, someone just wrote, yes, I love my invisible children. People, um, basically it's like children in Africa, they were getting, you know, taken to the NRA and then people were rescuing them. It was a whole huge, huge movement. Um, so I went to like, my friend invited me to one of their um, little screenings at like a church on Hollywood Boulevard. So I went and I left bawling my eyes out. I was literally bawling. And I was like, what else could I do to help people? Like, I feel like I'm not doing enough. I was already doing love your flaws, but it just wasn't with Brie, but it wasn't enough. And it was raining. It was like a scene from a movie. It was a dramatic, maybe a little, you know, dramatic, you know, and um, in a good way. And and right there, like right outside the building was this couple and they're holding up a sign that said ugly, broke and hungry. And it caught my eye and I was like, why does your sign say that? And it kind of looked like a love your flaws sign because of what it said, ugly, broke and hungry. So I went up to them and they were it was raining. So they were soaking wet. And I said, you know, are you guys hungry? Can I buy you dinner? So I just canceled my plans that night. We walked over to Kitchen 24 off Cuenga Boulevard and took them to dinner. And again, um, the motives were pure because I wasn't thinking about the giving keys at all. It, it was genuinely like, um, it was genuinely, uh, you know, I think these people are hungry, like back to that human connection and things that really matter. And, and I think again, consumers can smell that in your kind of branding or your story or your story of how you came to be because it was genuinely about feeding people. It wasn't about a mission or like a business. So, um, we're finding like that, like copy narrative. It was like, okay, they're hungry. Let's take them to dinner. Got their life story at dinner, fell in love with them. And the girl said she liked making jewelry. Um, I said, I like your necklace. She said, Oh, thanks. I like making jewelry. And so I had my aha moment, like, Oh, you're the missing link to the giving keys. Do you guys want to be my business partners? And they were like, what? So the next day I went to Pep Boys, bought some hammers, went to the locksmith, bought some engraving equipment, started paying them to engrave the keys on the side of the road. That's so, so cool. And and that they're still with you, right? No, we're still friends, but they broke, okay. they moved. Um, but they're doing great. They're, they've, they've transitioned out of homelessness. Rob is uh, working at a restaurant right now as a chef and Sarah uh, was working at the San Diego zoo. Um, so. Awesome. So how many employees do you have now in the giving keys? Well, now after the pandemic, everything has changed. So we've shifted our model. Um, but we went from a place of, you know, I mean, it would, our goal was to be a bridge employer to, Got it. people and kind of build up their resume so then they can get a different job that they want. But there were some people that were diehard. They're like, we're never leaving, um, which is great. Um, but, you know, so we employed over 150 people that were transitioning out of homelessness. But at the, the most we've ever had in one building at the same time, employees wise, was probably around 80 ish. Um, 
But right now it's completely different. We had to, you know, lay everybody off and we moved into a trend, um, a transitional, um, a fulfillment center. And so now we're donating proceeds to all of our favorite nonprofits like Chrysalis and um, United Way and Union Rescue Mission and stuff like that. Um, doing a lot more collaborations and finding other holistic ways to help the issue of homelessness because there's mm -hmm. so many things that, um, cause it and, and kind of lead into that world. And so we're really digging into that as well. That's an interesting point. Um, you know, I'm, I'm sorry that that happened through the pandemic. I know a lot of small businesses were, were hurt in a lot of ways. Right. Um, and one of the topics in the last session, I don't know if you were tuning in with, with Wes and Allison was around like how much you, you put focus on like the, the mission, the cause, how many, how much effort and resources you can put there versus what do you have to put on the product and the company? Right. And so given, um, the last couple of years of what the giving keys has gone through, I'm curious your perspective on like how, how what resources you dedicate towards furthering the cause, the, the mission versus like, what is, what is, you know, just the baseline need to happen for pushing the brand, the product and the company forward in order yeah. to fuel the mission. Right. Yeah, for sure. Um, I, I was talking to my friend Cole. He was one of the founders of Crochet Kids. We were kind of the old school crew that came alongside Tom's, you know, and I think and I think we have such a love for each other because it, it did become kind of trendy to have give, give back brands, which is a good trend. You know, yeah. it could be worse, but it's like seeing people kind of doing, we were talking about the word greenwashing or cause washing and making sure your integrity and character is always in line with the things that you're saying. But in every business, like even you, you, you hear about entrepreneurs that, that are having to shift all the time. And so, and it gets tricky when you're in this world of the, the reason we exist is to do good, right? In all these different ways. But it's like, well, then how can you do good if you are at a place where you don't even have money to survive, you know? And so it's definitely been, I mean, we brought in like a, um, a growth strategist. I mean, we've had different consultants through the years. Um, I mean, we've, we've ebbed and flowed and, and really gotten clear just recently, honestly, um, about what we're focusing on because yeah, it's, 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 it's just definitely been a really hard time. And with retail and so many of the stores we were in, we were in thousands of stores all over the world from everywhere. We were in Nordstrom, we were in Starbucks, we were in, um, um, boutiques in Paris, you know, to a ton of boutiques all over. And mo most of them all closed down. And then our whole department at Nord Nordstrom got wiped. So it was just a lot of like, then we kind of took a break from our wholesale, whole entire wholesale in general. So yeah, a lot of, a lot of shifting and we're still mm -hmm. in the process of it, but um, at least I think now, honestly, it took like a year, uh, uh, maybe even a year and a half, two years to kind of get our footing again and then getting clear on our foundation and our roots. So then we can kind of build and, and even tell our team internally the next steps, because if we're floundering as leaders, which I definitely was, our whole team is going to be like, well, what is our, what is our mission? What is our language? What is our, you know? Yeah. How, how much do you feel like you have to put on like the, the brave face and like shield your team from those challenges versus like be totally transparent and vulnerable about the challenges? Like what's, what's your stance there, your leadership yeah. style? That's a good, that's a good question. 
Well, honestly, we had our old CFO ended up, <laughs> he did, a, this was right before the pandemic, um, ended up embezzling over $230,000. And then he, this is a lot, this is heavy. And then he died. Um, so uh, there was a lot there. And and so we entered the pandemic in, in a place of like debt and hurting. And so there were times where I, yes, definitely was like trying to brave face it for a while. Um, also, I was on maternity leave when that happened, um, when we found out that embezzling was happening. So I was like hormonal and breastfeeding and supposed to be taking like my three months, but that didn't happen. Um, and then, so I, there were multiple times I'd go into the office, I remember at that point and would like cry and say, this might be the end. I don't know if we're going to survive, you know, and we would go into the shop where our, some of our guys would be um, engraving. And there was one day we all held hands and prayed together and like fully, fully cried during a prayer situation one time. So they, they've definitely seen me at my lowest because I also wanted to prepare them at that time. Like, to probably start looking for other jobs, but thank God we we made it through, and now we're we're strong and solid right now, which is really good. Um, and I'm so proud of our our team and our, honestly our marketing team. This girl Christy, oh my gosh, I am obsessed with her. She started being our she was hired to be our social media girl, and then she just she held on doing so many different jobs through the pandemic and through the shutdown and all that. I mean, our website was shut down for months. I mean, what, cause our, it was when everything was shut down and we, we weren't an essential business. So we had to completely shut down production. And that's when our lease was up too. our five-year lease was up. So we had to sign a five-year lease if we wanted to stay there. And we were in the downtown LA arts district, which was the most expensive place to be. Um, so there was a lot of big decisions to be made and um but but people like christy really stepped up and now she stayed through that and now she's our director of marketing so that is a ridiculous amount of challenges that you just stacked up there that you had to fight through over the last few years kudos to you for for leading through it and staying strong through that even when it was difficult and coming out the other side um be, so because you brought up christy i'm curious what specific changes did you have to make to your marketing, right? Obviously, that's a big part of the, today's topic yeah. uh, to uh, turn the, the the tides, right? Like, wh what did yeah. you do differently? Yeah. Um, well, it was interesting. So we have two missions, right? So one mission is, well, from the beginning was, it said on all of our marketing and all of our cards and our boxes and the side of our building, help us and homelessness. We employ people trying to transition out of homelessness. So that was one side. And the other side was a pay it forward model, get your key, get your word, and then pass it on, pay it forward to someone who needs it more than you. And for, and I was so tied to both of them, but for years, people like marketer, you know, consultants would come in or board people would come in and they're like, you need to focus on, one, it's two missions are too confusing. And I was like, no, because I, I've worked a million trade shows. I've worked a million pop-ups and a million trunk shows. And I see that people relate to both of them. Some people yeah. relate to one side more than the other. I cannot give up one. But finally I said, okay, and we're going to just focus on the um, help us and homelessness, which is why we painted over pay it forward on the side of our building. And then we painted over that help us and homelessness. And then on all of our packaging and all that we change it to that and then fast forward 
um, pandemic happened, we had to totally change our model. And we did at first when we when we moved into the fulfillment center, I was like, can we take our employees and can you hire them here so we can still keep this major part of our our mission? And they did at first, but it didn't end up really panning out, to be honest, because I think a lot of our employees like like two of them were like, we don't like it. Like, this is not, we had such a loving atmosphere and the fulfillment center is very different and it just wasn't the happy family. And so, um, so we're like, okay, we have to change that and now do giving back proceeds, but that felt so not enough. So the, the silver lining is we have been ignoring the pay it forward half of our mission for years and that is half of our customers love that and we never talk about it because we're focusing on this so now we just got clear that we're going to really focus on um that pay it forward and the stories and the human connection and so now we went through our um our core um what is it called your value propositions mm-hmm. and we went through all the benefits of our company and what you get when you give a key to somebody and it really is this invaluable human connection and so really kind of now using all of our marketing language to go there instead of you know help us and homelessness and all the other things that go with that because and it's interesting because we have focused on that for o- over a decade so i feel like we've we've done a lot in that space and kind of giving yourself as a founder permission to pivot. It's hard though, because it's like, you want to hold on to it. Um, but, but I think it's, it's, it's okay to give yourself grace to do other good things. It doesn't have to stay exactly the same, you know, like a death grip. I'm sure that's hard for you. Cause that I, you're, I can tell you identify as somebody who does a lot, right? Like singer, songwriter, actress, author, entrepreneur, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I have always felt that same way, right? Like a musician, singer, songwriter, um, athlete, speaker, writer, entrepreneur, like, and I've never wanted to give up a piece of my identity and I've let projects linger for too long because they are tied to a core component of who I feel I am, even though they're not necessarily serving me or like my, my momentum at the moment, right, right now. And so how did you personally come to terms with, with that in your life when, when you seem to want to do a lot and lean into a lot and leverage all your skills and the well-rounded person that you are as a leader because all of those things made you who you are so like it's hard to let go right yeah for sure i mean to be honest i think because i was from such a young age like i want to change the world and like i had crazy huge vision my whole life and then and i i was never that person that was like i just want to be a mom i was i was like is something wrong with me because children and my friends, kids annoy me, all mommy things annoy me. Like what is wrong with me? I just want to be like worker, change the world person. And then when I got pregnant and I had my two kids, it all changed. And I was like, I actually don't care about anything other than my two kids. Like I don't have any passion for doing any type of work whatsoever. I I had a full on shift. Um, And which was honestly really, really big deal. And it felt like I felt like a completely different person after that shift. Um, so I think now I'm in the place of trying to find that balance. So, Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so I think I'm, I'm really trying to get clear on what am I the most passionate about? And I think 
when I watch, when I read or pay it forward stories or, or I see videos of it happening, or if I give a key to someone and I see them start to cry, because that usually always happens. Um, I, I'm like, this is why I was created. This is why I was made. I was made to do this. And whether it's speaking or writing, I'm working on the third book right now um, and putting all the pain and hardships and things that I'm going through personally in my own life, um, putting the, that into you know, products like this one, our herringbone, it says faith over fear. And I, I need that because I definitely struggle with fear. Like a lot, I'm a single mom with two kids and it's like, yeah, I, I fear is like my thing. So I'm making all this like fearless jewelry, faith over fear jewelry, serenity prayer jewelry. Um, what does it say? Yeah. Peace like this, like purple one. But, oh, so I don't forget we have a code. If you guys ever want um, giving keys is for 25% off friends, 25. It's my friends and family code. Um, you guys are more than welcome to, um, check out at the giving keys friends. 25. So I actually last night, Chris and I, um, my brother, we, we, we were sitting and just like on the giving keys website and ended up ordering uh, like a bunch of keys. Oh. And, uh, the, the word we chose was train. Um, mm-hmm. but we, we were like totally new that we had like a code for the conference also totally forgot and but no like that's fine we were just like rambunctious and like made the order and uh but then what i why why i'm bringing this up is um leading into marketing immediately right after that like opened another tab and just display ads for the giving keys were popping up in like other browsers and stuff right so it's like already starting to follow us around so uh, how uh how in like into the marketing um, and, and kind of like the nitty gritty of the strategy, are you, um, yeah. versus just like o- overall setting the mission and vision for the company. Um, well, let's start there all in there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's so funny. I love our guy, Devin, who does our ads. I mean, we've worked with the biggest digital marketing ad agencies in the world. We've, I mean, one year we spent like a mil- $900,000 on did ads it was insane, did not pay off FYI. Um, it's so funny. I've been, I just started doing um, like consulting for random people on like Instagram that have reached out. And I love sharing all these little tidbits because there's so many things behind the scenes that you would never know. People are like, you spent how much on ads? And, and it, and it did not pay off And learning and working with our guy now, Devin, who I love, learning about the, you know, the ROIs and the, if you get this two X or three X or the four X or nine X or 11 X or whatever. And when you're supposed to drop one ad to start a new one, a whole, uh, interesting process that I've definitely learned. So, I mean, I've gone through every Avenue. I love doing everything gorilla style. So if it was up to me, I would write everything with a Sharpie marker, like our first business card. I don't have one here, but our first business card was literally, I wrote it with like a marker, went to Kinko's, made it all myself. I prefer that look and that vibe as opposed to the corporate looking everything. Um, but I know that now that we have a team and a real business, I have to be more, you know, I have to do things um, in that way, but I always still like to keep the gorilla style and keep the kind of um, not gr- not grunge, which is the word I'm looking for, edgy. Um, um, you know, like our foundation, like even the yeah. thoughts that we're using. Like I, so I am super involved with our marketing, our director of marketing, Christy, um, and our um, graphic designer, David. They'll 
make like a first draft of the email. And for years, they then they would send it to me with the other team members that we had. And I would give like a ton of edits and a ton of notes. But Christy and David are so awesome that they usually send it to me. And I'm usually like, it's great. Yeah, like, all, all good. Yeah. yeah, usually maybe I'll get, I'm like, oh, can you close up on the key? I can't really see the letters or the words or whatever. Um, but David, who just started with us less than a year, he's like, I've never been at a job where everything you, after I turn everything in, you're like, great, you know? So that's been really nice. Um, really, really, really nice. Um, but yeah, I'm, 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 I'm definitely involved. Sometimes I'll, I'll tweak the copy, everything from socials to, um, our emails to ads. Um, but our team is like locked in now more than it's ever been before. Mm -hmm. I mean, how, how tied is your personal brand to the giving keys as a brand? Like, have you over time created more of a void and separation where like the giving keys can continue to scale without necessarily being attached to you versus, um, you know, versus things like you personally being on, uh, I believe Oprah's list, right? Um, yeah. like being a, a, a rising tide for the giving keys, like where's yeah. that separation? Yeah, I think I feel like we're all kind of woven together. Like even if there was a time where we were good, we were almost selling the giving keys like right before the pandemic. And even though I would have been giving the majority away, not giving it away, but you know what I mean? Yeah. I still they still wanted me to be like the face of the company and all that. And I still wanted to be, I would never give it all away. Cause I don't, I feel like it, it's like my heart, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and soul, must be dramatic, but it's my heart and soul. But, um, so I think, yeah, I think we're definitely one in the same. And with the Oprah, all the Oprah stuff, like first we were on the, o, the O list in her magazine. Um, and then, and then I think, yeah, then she did a thing called the Super Soul 100, where she chose 100 people that she wanted to kind of carry out her vision. That's what she told us when we when we met with her. And she's like, each one of you has something that I want to help get into, like infuse into the world, like carrying out all of her kind of like missions that she can't do. Um, it's so funny when I met her, I was like, I am Caitlin of the Giving Keys. Because in my mind, I thought that it was just her team that shows everyone that she probably wouldn't even know who I was. And she was like, I know who you are. That's why I was like, Oh, you do. You really do. Okay. Um, so yeah, I think we're kind of one in the same, but of course, like I'm about to do some random paid posts today for like Palm Springs, something rather with like an influencer mom, you know, that is like definitely not giving keys vibes, but it was, you know, a good opportunity and got a nice, like two night stay in a nice hotel with like, this and that, but nothing to do with giving keys. I mean, I wore giving keys in all the pictures because I thought that would be a good opportunity to get some like, you know, free pictures or that we can then use on the giving keys. Yeah. I'm not going to post any, I'm not going to, all the stuff that I'm doing for them today, that's not going to be stuff I'm going to put on the giving keys. It just doesn't, it's not the same energy. So this, the Oprah moment is of course a pivotal moment in the the company's story for just getting the brand, the message out there. Right. Um, what do you think, you know, a top, top few that come to mind were like the most pivotal moments for mm-hmm. really getting the message out? Yeah. Because at the core of right, like marketing that brand mission is, is the opportunity to tell more people. 
like you were just talking about, like show, show it in that photo. Like what were the most pivotal moments yeah. for, for your growth story? Um, I think definitely the Oprah moments. Um, but then I loved, we did, um, you know, Rachel Zoe and Rachel Zoe was like real big and like really cool. Do you know who that is? I, I know the name, but I'm not a, not a, a follower. Yeah, I, I wouldn't maybe I, yeah. So she, she basically is like a, really famous stylist. She started out being a, a really famous stylist. She had her own TV show and then whatever. Oh, someone just wrote, yes, I love it. Yeah. Um, and then she has this thing called the Zoe Report. So she was kind of like the big trend setter because she was jealous for every single huge celebrity. And um, so she had a thing called the Zoe Report. And I had a friend that was her president randomly. And then they did a big collaboration with Gap. And so they asked to feature us, me and our team. Um, and we did massive gap ads with them, with our team. And it was, it was, oh, I love that. Rachel Zoe equals style icon. Very true. She is. Um, so we did gap ads with, with our, with our employees that were transitioning out of homelessness that were like, you know, not normal, quote unquote, gap models, you know, and they took pictures of our office and our alleyway. We went all over and the pictures were awesome. And they were like in their stores. And then we sold giving keys at, at a lot of the gap stores. We did something. So that was, that was awesome because I love, I, I love brands like gap. And I always say gap Levi's, even, even Kenneth Cole, we did a big thing with Kenneth Cole. They have a thing, uh, they have a brilliant marketing thing they do called the courageous class. Um, uh, I would encourage you guys to check it out. Like Google just courageous class giving keys. I'm sorry, God, sorry. Courageous class, Kenneth Cole, but the branding, the photography, the, the, that really good New York black and white, high contrast photography. It's similar with Levi's gap and Kenneth Cole. Like, it just feels so epic and good, high quality. So when we did the the courageous class, um, kind of cool thing, I think that was another huge moment. We were like in Times Square and in their stores all over, and they sold our keys. But I think just being able to do kind of collaborations and partnerships and have other brands feature us was really huge. Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. Partnerships are, uh, I think, the, they're difficult unless you have the right mindset, right? I think a lot of people fail when they go into partnerships when, because they look at, let's say Gap or Kenneth Cole as like, what can I get from them mm -hmm. versus like, what is the exchange of value? And right. when, you know, it's all the way back to when you're talking about the, the purpose, the cause of, you know, homelessness or anything like any, yeah. that anybody is doing. If you're picking corporate responsive, social responsibility, pick something that's authentic. Don't just pick it because it's a trend, right? And when you approach a partnership, you have to approach it authentically because you want to give value, not just get value. And yeah. without that exchange, like that partner is not going to be motivated to help you. Yeah. And that's where partnerships often fail, right? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. It's so interesting. I have a random friend who one day I did a poll on Instagram that said, what do you guys think our demographic is or our ages of people that follow and love giving keys? Cause we have so many repeat customers. Um, and we've been all over the place. And we have teenagers, we have 50-year-olds, 60-year-olds, grandmas, moms, 20s, 30, 40. And we're like, we don't have a, you know, we don't really have like a niche. Um, we're like, I think people that would like Brene Brown and people that like 
you know, self-helpy things. Yes. But so this guy, the friend of a friend, he DM me, he was like, Hey, I have like this marketing um, company where we have these tools where we can look in and see, really get you a specific take on who your audience is. Um, and he, and he had, he hasn't gotten me all the things yet, but what he did get me, he said, I see when you did a collaboration partnership with a little one with Bob Goff, do you know who that is? He's mm-hmm. like a super inspirational older man. He was like an attorney. He's written a few books, but he's like incredible, super, super inspirational. Um, he said, when you did the thing with Bob Goff and then in that, that wellness, that's like, um, uh, what is it called? They have the oils. Is it Sage? The S-A-J-E? It's like the really nice bougie oils, whatever. They said when you did, and we've done massive collaborations, but I would never know. They said, he said, when you did the Sage collaboration, even like a social post giveaway and the one with Bob Goff, he goes, your ABC things went off the reviews. You should do another thing with them. So I was like, note to self, I'm going to write them, see if we can do another little giveaway with them or a yeah. you know collaboration. So yeah. That's cool. Uh, well, um, I, we opened this talking about like how you founded this on tour and your background as a singer songwriter. And so uh, just out of personal curiosity, what, what do you think has been foundational for you in that background in music that has yeah. helped you as an entrepreneur, as a marketer? Yeah, I think because I wrote songs for so many years, I was in a, um, I worked with Babyface for a long time and he really, really yeah. He, I won a contest when I was in high school uh, through Kiss, Kiss FM. He was putting together a girl, a girl group, and it was just three of us. And I played the guitar, kind of. And the other two girls were like the sexy ones that were good at dancing. And I'm the worst dancer you'll ever see in your life. So, um, so he, so I mean, we worked together for years. I was in that group for five years with him, and then left, went back to school because it was just it was getting too true Hollywood story. Like, do you know P Diddy? Uh, do you remember P Diddy's show? Um, making of the band, making the band. Yeah. I remember that. That was literally based on our life. Like that's was, that was our life. We were before that. And then they, Andre Harrell, P Diddy, like Russell Simmons, like those are our like people. Anyway. So after that I left and then I signed to Babyface on my own, we wrote a million more songs together. None of which really were like big hits or anything, but he taught me, every day that we would write um he he's like "Mm, it could be more clever that was the word he always said he goes it needs to be more clever like gotta think of the clever clever it could be how can we make this more clever so that has been in my mind he like etched that into my brain so i think that really rang true with even like the mission of the giving keys like how can i make this more clever because i could have i could have settled with words on keys right because that was before that was popular Mm -hmm. I could have then settled with the pay it forward concept, but no, that's, yeah, that's clever. But how can you make it more clever? Oh, I met this young couple experiencing homelessness. That would be clever. I want to help them. I can employ them. Maybe that can be our mission. That's extra clever, right? Oh, then we can make it be a website where you could read the story. So my mind was trained that way to be clever. And this is so interesting. I'll leave you guys with this. I ran into him at the Grove Babyface, a year or so ago, and I told him all about the giving keys. And I told him, you know, the whole story and our mission and what we do. And he goes, wow. He goes, that is so you. 
And I think that I actually wrote that story in my first book. And I, I think that's such a great thing to, to leave that message with entrepreneurs. Like, what is the thing that is so you? And he yeah. knew me so well because we wrote a million songs together. But it's like, it's so me. The Giving Keys is so me, but so is, you know, these songs that we wrote together. He knows my heart and soul, like I said, and that your heart and soul comes out in your songwriting and your heart and soul comes out in your business and in your books and in your the copy in your emails, um, your marketing emails and all that. So, well, yeah. Caitlin, that's a perfect way to round it out. That's an awesome lesson. And, and it ties it all together, right? When you think about marketing, a mission, a personal brand, building a business around those two things and in between those two things, like what is so you? Because if you don't know that, the rest is difficult. The yeah. rest will not come authentically and it will not flow. So mm-hmm. thank you so much for joining us at Playbook today. This was thank a great conversation. Hey, thanks for listening to Organized Chaos. If you like this episode, be sure to subscribe, leave a review, or share it with anyone in your network that you think could benefit from this information. For episode show notes, podcast recaps, and tons of other small business news and inspiration, check out the manual. That's trainual.com backslash manual.